Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel, and I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston, and we are The Thought Hackers. Today, we have Laura Johnson Baker joining us, and growing up with depression, anxiety, and lacking confidence, Laura finally hit rock bottom when childbirth plunged her into the depths of PTSD. From there, she realized she needed to discover herself, or rediscover herself, both professionally and personally. This journey led her on a path of learning the tools of neuro-linguistic programming, otherwise known as NLP. Today, Laura is a certified NLP trainer and master practitioner running her practice in Melbourne, Australia. Her work is focused on supporting others through their journey towards healing, understanding, reconnecting, and forgiveness. I'd like to welcome you to the show today, Laura. Nice to have you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so so looking at what was going on, like you, you said you hit rock bottom, but when did you, when did you realize that that things were falling apart? Uh, I think pretty much when I had a newborn baby and I couldn't really enjoy him. Um, just the thought of the day that he came to the world really just... There was no joy in it. Um, and, you know, it's meant to be the ha- happiest time in somebody's life. And I was really fortunate to be surrounded by people who knew quite a lot around trauma and childbirth. And I was able to do a lot of research and, and get myself back on track. So what what do you think triggered the, the trauma? Pretty much the, the way he came into the world. Um, I wasn't in a place that I was respected. Um, some things happened during his birth that triggered previous trauma. So I'm not sure exactly whether or not it was a childbirth or a previous car accident. Um, uh. However, the actual the actual birth for me, I felt completely and utterly disrespected that I didn't have any choices and the the biggest thing around that was that my body was completely exposed and I had fe- a female doctor putting her hands on me and you're telling them no and they don't listen telling them no I, I'm yeah. sorry I don't understand oh, she was putting her hands on you and you didn't want her to touch you is that what you mean yeah, so she wanted to do um, an episiotomy, which is where they cut um, they cut the woman down below in order to help the baby out. Um, and I refused, and um, she tried to force it. Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that would be traumatic for sure. And so how did, how did you deal with it when she was trying to force this to happen? Well... I think the biggest thing around that is that I'm a very strong woman um, and I had a very strong woman supporting me. And at that point in time, I'll never, ever forget this day, but she literally looked me in the eyes, she squeezed my leg and she said, Laura, we're going to get this baby out before she comes back with that knife. And wow. so we did. And I pushed my son out without a, without a contraction um, and, you know, there was obviously much deeper things are in and around that, but that for me was the one pivotal moment that I was able to stand up and actually go, no, this ain't happening to me. Wow. 
So w was there a worst moment in all of that, or is that essentially it, what you're telling me now? No, that was definitely, definitely that moment. Like, being in a vulnerable place, um, and, I, I, look, and I understand that both of you are men. So yeah, <laughs> of course. It's not, it's not so. something... <laughs> It's not something, you know, um, you know, and this is probably the first time I've really spoken publicly about this, but uh, um, being very vulnerable, you know, if you can kind of imagine for the moment that your legs are in stirrups and, you know, everybody's down at the party end and, you know, watching this baby come out and you're just doing the hard work and I'm very, very uh, naturally minded when it comes to birth mm -hmm. um, and we were actually a home birth transfer. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point in time, having, you know, my wise woman who I would call her standing with me and standing strong and, and basically saying, you know, this is a time where we come into our power, um, you know, and yeah, there was, there was a lot of uh, trauma around that. Um, but that was definitely the pivotal moment I, that I can kind of look back now. Right. Right. So that moment happened. It well, more than a moment, longer than a moment. Mm. And when you got on the other side of it, um, that you were saying you weren't sure whether the childbirth triggered PTSD or whether it was already there, correct? Yeah, I suppose in the, in the many years since, um, obviously there's been a lot of uh, recovery, a lot of healing, um, a lot of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was when I, when I started studying uh, to be an NLP trainer that I really recognized that there was a few of those PTSD symptoms before the childbirth mm -hmm. um, that I, I suppose, being a stubborn person, I dealt with at the time. Um, and it wasn't until I had the, the trauma associated to the child, like the birth trauma, that I can actually say, you know, once I once I'd healed from the birth trauma and I'd, I'd kind of did, did everything to, to release that, that I recognised that there was some flashbacks and stuff that were actually happening that were previous to that. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I say that you know the the, the birth trauma triggered it. Mm -hmm. um, however, I had a car accident probably about eight eight years before that. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe ten, maybe a bit longer. I'm not sure, but. Um, I definitely went through some form of post-traumatic stress after that. Got it. Yeah, that makes mm. sense. So it's a kind of a layering in, in a sense mm -hmm. between. And I, yeah, I, I was just going to say Nathan too, and and you know, um, as you know, you know, um, you know, Laura's a colleague of mine in Melbourne, and we've been through the NLP training together. And I just wanted to, you know, you sort of. Uh, you're mentioning the childbirth, but then sort of looking at it more as a trigger, and then reflecting mm -hmm. on the on the car accident. Knowing that, uh, and and the work that we do with people with with uh, with trauma, that it's not often, or it's 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 essentially not always not the um, that conscious event that we look at that is the root cause. That's right. But when I remember we this. do take people back through to um, to work on the recovery and the therapy of it, we actually find that there's you know, there's there's root causes way back. Now, yeah. when you look at with the bio that um, the introduction that Nathan read, there was sort of a, a, a long a bit of a history of depression, anxiety, all that stuff in there. Yep. If you were to sort of look back quickly. Um, do you think it's sort of how, how far back do you think it really started? 
Yeah, look, I would actually very much say that it's in childhood. Right. Um, yeah. I wouldn't identify that as post-traumatic stress yeah. as such, um, yeah. but I would definitely say that, you know, the childhood, the the moving around mm. and, you know, my parents did the best thing that they, they could possibly do for them for us. However, you know, life sometimes takes you down those paths. And, yeah. um, you know, I definitely would say that that would stem right back to particularly around those early teenage years. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, there was there was a, quite a few things in that time that I would say that, yeah, they that's all started back then. Yeah. And you, you're yeah. incapable of being able to deal with it. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. As a child, you can't. You haven't got the resources to do it. And the world around you, whatever it's throwing at you, is just what what it builds up in you. And then, as you say, as you come through further in life and, and to when you had a child, bang, it all sort of, you know, those triggers all come back and hit you. And um, sure. So so yeah. one of the questions I've got, Laura, is has you, have you gone through any timeline therapy on this? I most certainly have. So yeah. <laughs> ah, I've, I've okay. Actually, that was uh, a big question. It's like, it it's like hanging there. It's like okay, yeah, okay. So great. Yeah. Cool. So he was actually my second child. I had had a child um, previous to him. Yeah. Um. So he's he's my my middle son. So, um. Yeah. I've actually. I'm I'm so incredibly grateful for for coming across somebody who knew a bit about NLP early in the journey. I didn't recognise it as an LP at the time um, that was able to actually help me remove a few triggers, um, you know, very, very quickly. And, but then when I, when I actually went full force into my own training, it was one of the very first things that I had to encounter to be able to move forward. Um, And that actual uh, timeline therapy, I think it was, I think I was under for something like two and a half, three hours. Um, So it was a very extensive and long um, one that I did in it did involve uh, needing uh, to come and go into a bit of story, um, which was you know what what I needed at the time. Um, but I'm so incredibly grateful for our colleague that was able to hold the space and um, and help me be safe in that in that space. Yeah. So in in terms of the PTSD, uh, how far did your recovery go? Like, did you recover from it completely or mo- mostly or I can tell you without a shadow of doubt, I do not have any triggers, any nightmares or anything anymore. Um, occasionally, I might have a little bit of a an angst that might come up, um, but it's not typically anything that might trigger me in any way. Um, and That's I think, thank, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I think, you know, with, with all this training and the amazing coaches that I actually have around me, um, I'm getting, I've got to a point now where I tend to self-coach, but I do know that I have a, a I'm just, I'm just a phone call away from getting some, helping, sorry, from help, getting someone to help me out of my crap. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's great news because uh, I was wondering, you know, it's the inevitable question that I had to ask you and it, and it mirrors what, what happened with me. It just, it just vanished one day. And I didn't even know it was gone until I spoke with Hamish and he <laughs> asked me a question. Well, we were talking about PTSD at one point. And he said, do you have PTSD? And I remember saying, not anymore. <laughs> it was just so funny. And But I didn't realize what had happened to me in, in our sessions. They were so in, incredibly powerful. So, And what you are talking about is, you know, similar and different. Because it's, it's yeah. different for each one of us as to what we have to go through to get to the other side so 
In, Absolutely. In... And I think because it was a, a massive layering effect, um, you know, like yeah. you're, you think consciously you know you're going into it to deal with something. Yep. Subconsciously, there's much deeper stuff at play. And, you know, the biggest the biggest thing for me that I've, I've gained from, you know, really helping myself heal in this space is that I'm actually able to dream again. I'd shut down oh. my dreaming due to the PTSD. Um, I'm quite spiritual in that sense and just well, so I can't deal with it anymore. You know, I, but I'm actually I've never heard of anybody anything. actually being able to do that. I've certainly never mm. been able to do it. Um, <laughs> no, dreaming never shut down that I recall. But um, so now, but like, did it? Did it? Just to ask on that one, Nathan. I mean, sure. through the PTSD and and talking to a lot of lot of people in that space, the dream it, the dreams are nightmares. Mm. Well, not yeah. always. Not always. I mean, my own experience with it, the dreams weren't always nightmares. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. It just depended on okay. whether there was something that, that triggered it. Uh, it wasn't until you did that last exercise with me and I wound up on the other side of it that I actually realized that I was having a nightmares, definitely flashbacks, definitely triggers, hypervigilance, yep. all of that stuff. But I never connected it together, for lack of a better expression. I just... I didn't know that and when it when it ended I remember the day that it ended and I just remember realizing that something major has had happened but I didn't know what it was I didn't have a clue <laughs> until we spoke 10 days later and then it's like oh and then all these things were gone and so certain people around me they're going well this sounds too good to be true you this can't be true and I remember a guy on, on a forum trying to uh, put me in my place uh, to do with PTSD, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, I thought I got over it, and I, you know, I watched some reenactments, and I screamed the house down." And then he said, "Well, well I want to hear from Nathan over here because he uh, blah blah blah." And I said to him, "That's where we park company." I said, "I watched the reenactments, I felt the horror, I felt the pain, but there were two major things that happened. Number one, I remember thinking, oh, so this is what it used to feel like because I'd forgotten,' and two that I was going to sleep like a baby that night, and I did. And it didn't trouble me at all. And this poor guy on the other end of the phone, he just kind of shut his mouth and wandered away. <laughs> well, what was he going to do? You know, yep. really. Um, it's funny that you say that, actually, because, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do vividly remember at that point where I went, I I can't be trying to sleep like this anymore. I um, mean, this is pre-NLP days, and... Is I, I can't do this, and I thankfully had a, an amazing friend um, around me that said, you know, if you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to feel it, if you don't want to dream anymore, you know, you can shut it down, yeah. And I've um, never heard of that ever. Yeah, yeah, wow. and I and I did, and but I was I was waking up, um, you know, in a consistent and constant ang anxious state, and I had two children to take care of, you know, and yeah. um, you know, and obviously that was that bout, but. You know, I, I probably do identify with having two quite strong bouts over the last, you know, 20 years. But, um, you know, I, I had two children to take care of. I, I couldn't just drop everything. I, you know, I yeah. had to live and I didn't have the support around me to be able to really heal. So um, at the end of the day, if it meant that I no longer remembered the dreams or the nightmares that I was having, well, then, you know what, they can be gone because I can always get them back. And, yeah. you know... Um, it's been it, it has been hard work though getting them back. Like I, I won't yeah. lie, like, um, and I still now, you know, at times it's like, oh, wow, I, I actually 
I woke up this morning and I, I remembered having a dream. That was that was really cool. Like you know, and yeah, yeah it's 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 kind of that wonder that comes from it all. Um, you know, and I do, I do know of like I've I've supported quite a number of uh, women through birth trauma in in the years, and I do know quite a lot of them who have got to that point where whether or not they stopped dreaming or not is is one kettle of fish. But you know whether or not they actually just no longer remember the dreams is probably the other category, and yeah, um, you know purely for self preservation. Yeah, it's funny that we're talking about the dreams because there was something that popped into my memory about it. After I went through a very painful breakup of a long-term relationship, around that time I was having really bad nightmares and I couldn't sleep at night and I would do this addictive behavior so I'd make myself so exhausted that I would literally fall into a black sleep and not remember anything and it was really, really bad. And uh, at one point I went to a homeopath. I forget how I learned about her, but I went to this woman and I told her about my various problems, one of which was a cat allergy, among other things. There were all these different things going on. And she gave me a medicine called Staphysagria. And it's designed Mm -hmm. to root out a whole bunch of addictions and other, other problems. And it made me really sick. I mean, at, at the time, uh, after taking it four days, I mean, everything felt like it was vibrating, the colors, I could smell a lump of shit from two blocks away, um, <laughs> um, you know, every, everything was off the scale in terms of my life, and I called her at one point, I said, I'm in trouble, when she brought me in, gave me an emergency uh, preparation, and four hours later, everything calmed down, and then she, I went in a week later, and she said, you're different. And I said, yep. I didn't want to tell her. She said, let me guess what's better. And she told me, and she just listed off all these things. The nightmares vanished. Cat allergy vanished. I'm cat sitting right now. He's cat sitting. I'm literally <laughs> cat sitting. I don't have an allergy to cats anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's the weirdest friggin' thing. So we never know where healing's going to come from. That no. was one yeah. piece of it for me. But mm. I still had to meet Hamish and go through these NLP techniques to become free yeah. of the PTSD. And so, yep. so in, in terms of your experience, like uh, I, I was going to ask you, like, uh, what's a personal habit? But I think you just mentioned it where you made the comment about self-coaching. Yeah. Can I just can I just go a little step back before we come into that, Please Nathan? Do. Just to sure, sure. Just to ask Laura, like, the, you, you've recognized the, the birth of your second child as the... A real trigger in that PTSD, and it's the that conscious place that you're really looking at. This this is where um, you know that was a real turning point. What sort of depths did, did you go down to in that space? Where did it take you with your thinking and that spiraling, whatever it was to you, when you got into the when you triggered into that PTSD? How long did it last you? And what did you do? What was the turning point when you got there? What was the, the, the thinking that went on to say, okay, now we're going to come out the other side? Well, it's a hard one. Um, in a nutshell. Yeah, I suppose. Like, in, in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> Easier said than done. Um. <laughs> it is. It really is. Like, you know, thinking back to that time, and particularly in the first year of his life, um, Yeah, I suppose the depths that I got to would be I got to a point where sometimes I no longer lived and I'd convince myself that 
my children would be actually better off without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that really pains me to say right now because, you know, my children are my world. And, yeah, I suppose that's probably the depth I got to. How I got myself out of it, I asked for help. The help wasn't exactly there where I needed it um, from the people who I needed it from, but I learned where I could ask for help. And the thing that really pulled me out of that hole was actually helping others get through theirs. Uh, um, yes. It really, it really, it, it paved the, it started paving the way many years beforehand, but it really paved the way for the journey I became, I came on to now. And, but being able to help others who had gone through quite significant trauma themselves in, in varying different ways um, and really being involved in groups that were able to not only um, recognise it for what it was, but mm-hmm. really um, really support these families because it's not just the woman who goes through it after a, after birth trauma and there's quite quite a significant um movement in the world for in, in and around this issue but you know i educated myself i um i helped my healing by ensuring that i always helped somebody else yes. um, and if that just meant that i was a phone call away or someone to listen or a shoulder to cry on yeah, okay, sometimes it triggered me, mm. but it, I knew that I was doing it for the greater good, mm. and I think that's probably that pivotal point that I went, actually, you know what? I actually have something more to give here. So was it yeah. was it a was it a sort of a, just a progression out of that pit, or was there a defined decision? Was it a did it did you have to make some sort of decision to say no more of this? This yeah. is. I think it was more progressive. Okay. It was probably yep. something that was more progressive. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I really hate saying this because I don't really believe it's true. Now, with the school skills and the tools that I have now, I know that we can do th- these things really quickly sure. and efficiently. Sure. Um, however, for me, um, it was time. And this is this is this is really nice because for our listeners. Um, you know, we do get a lot of people talk about it was a defined moment. Yeah. It was a decision that they had to make. Um, I'm, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm, I'm now in this point in my life. I'm making that decision. But it can equally be, and this is, you know, we're all so different, it can be just the progression out of it yeah. without yeah. that defined decision. Well, sure, yeah. you know, even, even my own case with you, Hamish, uh, yeah. you know, all the stuff that we were dealing with had to do with bullying, and it was... Yeah, wanting a, a, a way out of it, but not really believing that that would ever be the case. I mean, yeah. I d- every time you said, we'll get rid of it, I remember thinking, well, yeah, it'd be nice, but but it was still open to going through it, uh, even with the not knowing, and then, and then one day it just suddenly vanished, and it was such a surprise, because I thought I was going to go to my grave with this stuff. I thought that the people who were uh, tormenting and causing me so much pain would continue to be able to get away with it and that I was going to die from it. Yep. And then one, one day it vanished. And no one was more surprised than me. And, and, so, and, and so, many pe- like, so many people are told that they will go to their grave with it. Yeah. Yep, I know, I know. And, and, I, and, I believed, and I believed it too. And and then all of a sudden it stopped and I got the wish that, like, you know, there was something inside me that would not allow me to quit no matter how bad or how awful it got even though 
I still wasn't getting the results I wanted. I started in counseling when I was 19 years old. And this thing with PTSD ended when I was uh, 57. So that's how long that journey had been going on. And and yet, it's it's over and here we are with this show. That's um, because for me it's really important to give back. And it's mm. like what you were saying, Laura, it's like there's a sense of well-being that comes into play when you know that you're doing really good service for someone. And yeah, it's funny because, I mean, in the communities that I was in, um, you know, and I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful, but obviously there was a, a big, um, you know, there, there was a lot of lot of stuff in that movement, but, you know, a lot of my research came back to say, you know, like, no, PTSD is only for veterans. Um, you know, what do you have to be to be upset about? You, you've got a healthy baby, and look, I'm incredibly grateful that all three of my children um, are happy and healthy. You know, um, yeah. I, I I do know that I have family and friends who aren't as fortunate, and but at the same time, that was a, a really a, a real difficult time because people didn't want to talk about it. And as yeah. I started coming out of my out of my shell, and and you know, help the more people that I was able to help, and the the better I felt. Um, I was more open and more vocal about it, and sure. you know, and people would would really kind of they would really go and go, oh no 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 you you can't identify with post-traumatic stress. Have you been diagnosed from a medical professional? Oh and I'm God, like, that well, again. <laughs> I don't actually need to be because at the end of the day, this is a snippet in time for me, and I don't I, I really don't care for labels. I I actually um, I think my entire life it's probably a whole other podcast. Um, I have really shied away from labeling. However, if I, I found in the, in the women and the families that I was able to support and help over the years, if we could put a label without a diagnosis to it and they knew what they were up, actually up against and maybe they could get some more information, that they were actually better equipped to start their healing journey. And that was a place that I came to and that was pre-learning NLP um, you know, and when it came to learning NLP, I still brought in that philosophy that if we know what we're up against, if we know what we're, you know, if, if we if we're aware of what is going on for these people who are we're helping, or even ourselves, if we're if we're encountering something, and I'm I'm a researcher, that's my 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 headspace, and so therefore, if I know what I'm encountering and I know what I'm up against, then mm -hmm. equally I know how to how to actually debunk that trend and go this is how I can work that yeah Does that makes sense yeah it makes total sense I mean in my case uh, I didn't have any of these labels I didn't even know about them um, all I had was what I was calling the trauma of bullying that's what mm -hmm. I was dealing with and it wasn't until after it was all over that Hamish and me had this chat about PTSD and I instantly realized oh so that's what it was but it, it was just it was just gone at that point so yeah, that's just that's it. I mean, there's really nothing more I can say about it. I can't, yeah. I can't even really reference it anymore. I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> that's ancient history. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a funny thing, but it allows me to work with Hamish in this way that we can do this show, and I don't have to worry about being triggered by anything. And and my sense of of things down the road is, if I wound up in traumatic situations, I'm willing to bet I could go through it and recover from it fairly quickly that it wouldn't trigger PTSD again. Now, I don't know for sure that's true, mm -hmm. but it's just um, a, a feeling, a thought that I've had for a while, and we'll see. I mean, 
There was one situation that happened like a week after the last session with Hamish where I did encounter a traumatic event and I had spontaneously invented tools in my mind to deal with that particular problem. And the trauma was a vendor screaming at me in downtown Ensenada and was pretty violent and I just got out of there. But it triggered the mental war and then I just remember sitting down on the side of a wall at a McDonald's and I just imagined the exercise that I did with um, that Hamish told me about and applied it to the violence that had happened with this vendor and I just imagined going through the entire exercise when I got to the end it just switched off and it never came back mm. and that was the end of it and this so is this is the this is the you know what we do and, and as, yeah. you, as you're aware it's you know we do by getting rid of the emotional um, the attachments and the, the the programs that are there that are driving that are really holding on to that that panic and fear from whatever events once they're collapsed we then it, it's building these tools it's giving these tools and building these resources that you've got for life and the more that you yep. use them um, the stronger they get they become habits they become part of the program that your your thinking is and when yeah. things happen they just automatically kick, kick in, in. Kick it's in. funny yeah. you say the uh, the triggers because um, I was thinking as you were saying that about incidences that can sorry incidences that can potentially trigger those thought patterns and um, quite a few well not quite a few but a couple of years ago now um, I was um, really honoured to support a a friend in birth and I've support, supported quite a lot of friends and um, was a birth attendant for for many years but this particular um, friend. Um, needed my support and she didn't really know why she needed it but she she felt it was just she was drawn to ask and at that point in time I was no longer actually um, actively attending births um, mm. however this 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 baby I felt that I, I needed to um, so I we you know we connected over the over the pregnancy and there was just something that I was being drawn to when the birth came um, the biggest thing for me was entering back into that hospital again um, and mm. then, as it turned out, this mum was labouring in the same um, the same wow. room that I was in, and wow. you know, and there was there was I had two options at that point. I I did know that we would end up in this hospital, um, but I did have two options. You know, my obligation was to the birthing mum and the family, um, and I don't say obligation in a bad way. I say in a, in a very positive and inspirational way. I had made a commitment to support them in what they needed, and. I therefore felt an obligation to, to see that through and not have my crap come up. Um, so I worked really hard in the lead up to that birth and just as well because the birth was a very traumatic incident and I, that was where I knew that, that was the reason I was there um, because I was able to actually hold the space with everything that I know and really ensure that, you know, that was no was not a, a point of trauma for that family and equally then give the support afterwards that I was really fortunate to have in some ways and not in others um, but you know to be able to provide that safe place and someone that they could bounce things off you know with obviously a birth attendant is not a medical degree um, however there's that knowledge base that you do form and being able to bounce that around with somebody when you've had that that um, that circumstance that you know that encounter together um, was really really beneficial and still to this day she actually says that you know had we not been able to have that relationship uh, leading into that and then um, post that that she doesn't know 
how she would have coped with the next few months that kind of happened and you know like and for that I I am incredibly grateful that one I was able to put myself in a position that I was not triggered personally so therefore I could be fully there for the person who needed it the most but two that you know um, this little baby had obviously called to that um, to need me there to be able to support her um, and their whole family because you know um, the whole family goes through the trauma and in birth trauma and often for women they're they're experiencing it firsthand but for for the man they they often and I'm, I'm being very general here but for, for the man in that they're, they're kind of their hands are tied they don't know how they can help and a man's natural instinct is to is to want to be able to help their partner and you know at that point it can be really um it can be really triggering for the man in, in not being able to actually support and help his partner through something that they're finding quite traumatic. Mm. So, you know, and so there's a lot of different layers to all of that. And, you know, to be able to, to have the honour, um, and obviously, you know, I never want to see another family have to go through it again, but to have the honour of being able to hold that space um, and really being able to leave your own stuff at the door is crucial in being able to support people with, you know, trauma, post-traumatic stress, even depression and anxiety. You know, we can put any sort of names to these things when we can really leave our stuff away from how we can then help these people moving forward. Right. Yeah, thank you. That's okay. Okay. Covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it, yeah. we're finding that every time, Nathan. We can have conversations yeah, with people for hours. I know, but we also we also have to be mindful too, because I'm looking at our time. We're getting close to the yep. end of it here now. There was one thing that I want to circle back to, and then after that, uh, I'd, I'd like to close the interview. But it, it was it had to do with um, the you you were talking about self coaching, and I'd like to hear a little bit about that. um yeah i suppose with all the training um so for those out there who don't know uh, when you study nlp and you commit to being a trainer um the the training it's not long time wise but there's a lot of in-depth uh searching that has to that has to come from it and you know um and and Hamish should be able to really to attest to this as well um you become a master at uh, managing your own state and um equally you really truly understand that as as coaches we need coaches when you know we're not always able to coach ourselves out of stuff but in terms of the self-coaching um I'm I'm renowned in amongst my colleagues here um, to, to pick up the phone and say, hey, can we book a time? I need, I need to coach on this. And if it's mm. not something that's quick and easy, which typically it is, um, you know, but if it's not something quick and easy, we'll book that time in and it's typically, you know, a day or so away. We get to the, get to the time that we catch up and I'm like, yeah, it's not a problem anymore. I've, I've actually, uh, I've gotten myself out of it. It's fine, you know. Cool. Hamish will always push for <laughs> questions. And um, I'm like, no, actually, I found myself triggered. Um, but the this, this self-coaching, I think, comes from really, truly knowing yourself, um, owning, owning your own stuff that comes up and looking at things objectively. And, like, I, I often, um, I, had, I actually had a moment... Um, on Wednesday, so I've just come off six days of, of quite intense training, um, 
and being in a seminar and, and working um, extremely long days. We, I was doing, you know, 18, 20 hour days. So tiredness is one of my triggers. Yeah. And um, so, and I don't say that as in, as in tiredness triggers me into depression or anything like that, but tiredness is one of those things that I find for me, I'm not at my best state if I'm not getting enough rest. And during that time, I, you know, this is a, the very last day um, and I just, I found myself, you know, getting a little bit antsy um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I had a choice. I, I could, I it was my last day, I was, you know, returning home the day after and, you know, I could manage myself or I could continue down the spiral of being triggered. And so the self-coaching, self-coaching and self-preservation came out where, you know, I'd, I'd kind of just owned up to myself and just went, okay, what do you need right now? Um, and for me, it was, I just needed to, to, to take myself out of the, out of the learning space and um, eat out into the sunshine, um, just sit there and just reflect on my thoughts for a few minutes and, you know, really get engaged with what it was that was coming up for me at that point in time, whilst also acknowledging that, you know, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm missing my family. Um, you know, there's so many stuff that come up in and around that. And so I sat there for five minutes. I'd put on a bit of um, meditation music and um, that for me is my is my grounding. And um, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, well, what, what do I need to learn from this? What do I need to know? And um, being very intuitive, that comes... It has, I've, sorry, being, being very intuitive um, and learning to trust that intuition, it now actually comes quite easily. Um, in the early days, it didn't. I had to, you know, I had to work at it. But now, um, you know, it's what do I need? What is it that's coming up for me right now? And what do I need to learn? And that came full force. It was, you know, just manage your state. You've got, you know, eight hours left. Um, you need to go in there and play full out and, and finish this. And... Um, you know, so five, ten minutes later, I'm like, yep, cool, had, you know, made that state change, managed my energy, recognised that, you know, I just needed to take that five minutes out um, and went back in and was able to actually concentrate and, and gain, you know, probably the the most out of that week that I was training because of the of being able to shift that and, and self-coach myself through that. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm so, just going to extend, just very briefly, just throw something else in there with the... the with self-coaching or just taking ourselves to a a different place for me it is um it's taking responsibility it is being at that cause side of the equation not um you know when we start to blame others um and be the victim you cannot do it so it's taking on that responsibility and um and just making that decision to move forward. Where I, where am I right now? It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter what's brought me to where I am now. Where am I? Where do I want to be? And am I taking responsibility for what's happened? That's absolutely, absolutely it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, Laura, for for those of the people who have been listening to us, well, they will be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they will be. Uh, but for those people out there. Um, how would people get in touch with you for the future? Uh, really, really easily. You can find me on Facebook. Um, Laura Johnson Baker is my page. Um, and, yeah, feel free to send a message. Um, I do have my website. Again, it's uh, laurajohnsonbaker.com. Oh. And really simply, easily reach out, you know, even if that's just to have a chat or share your story. Perfect. Thank you so much. 
Well, thank you, thank you for being on with us today. Uh, glad you took the time to do it, and thank you for sharing your story. My absolute pleasure. It was thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, at this point, it's uh, time for us to sign off. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with Laura Johnson Baker and my colleague Hamish Baston, and we will see you next time. Thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. And have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios and books that will create change in your thoughts.